Because I have no idea how I'm supposed to be a little bit more narcissistic to be a better boss. That narcissist is less likely to sit down every week with you and listen, <laughs> listen to you and support you. And you know, what if you don't have those traits? What do you do then? What if you're not outgoing or whatever? Um, how do you become a good leader then? Do you have to go have a personality transplant? What is good leadership? Is that is a good leader the one that gets the organisation to grow the fastest? Or I certainly respond to leaders who I felt were showing up as themselves. You know, leadership is not a job title. It's not status. It, it, it's a descriptor of a relationship. Mm. Uh, and that relationship's very much two way. Uh, you know, we want people to step up into leadership positions. This idea that you have to have a, be a particular type or have particular traits discourages people. And it... Why can't these roles be assumed by some of the team members um, and the team collectively taking them the leadership responsibility for the overall well-running of of the team and that yeah no one's as smart as everyone the idea that we that, you know, a leadership a leader or even that we have to define you know leadership as a single thing when it's many many different things in organizations you know like wl gore where you know you're not a leader until you've until a team has said i want to be led by this guy Welcome everybody to this episode of work punks today we're talking about what makes for a good leader and um, I don't know about you, but I regularly see articles passing by that tell me different and new things about what apparently makes up for a good leader and what traits and skills I should acquire. Colin, you have a, uh, an opinion, I hesitate to say, a strong opinion <laughs> about what to think of uh, those kinds of studies. So why don't yep. you kick off this debate? Okay, so you, you, sent, you sent us uh, this article that appeared in the Times, I think it was um about study you know one of these it could have been any any article to be honest there's several of them um and this one was a study about uh headlined the ideal boss is a bit of a narcissist and it, it studied it supposedly studied this narcissism in bosses and asked the people who work for them how they rated them and therefore it says well the ones that scored best i'll tell you the bit it says it's really interesting the bosses uh when their scores were 2.49 on the scale, as opposed to the average of 2.36, people liked them better. So, so that's obviously really important stuff to know. So, um, the, the 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 so it's like, is this meaningful? You know, like really, um, and and a lot of these studies have similar problems. So, I if it's something I actually really interesting, I'll actually try and go and read the original study. Because you have to ask yourself, like, okay, well, who was who was in the research sample? Um, uh, all too often, it's you know Harvard undergraduates or whoever happens to be walking past the psych lab at the at the time, which is not a very you know useful sample. Um, and then these things are extrapolated to apply worldwide, which is obviously ridiculous. the The second thing is, you know, a lot of these things are they're all self reported. So that's that's also you know. <laughs> Obviously, how the questions are structured depends on the answers. And can you really rely that well on what people are saying? And you know, you get statements like this one. I mean, like you know, two point four as opposed to two point three six. I mean, is is that even two point four nine? Sorry, is that you know, like how, how can you be that accurate? It's just ridiculous. And they say in this study, so they found this causation, and they say, so they found this correlation between this thing, and they say it's because. 
these people are just narcissistic enough to be engaging and you know we, we like people like that which is a very plausible explanation but do they read is that really proven that that's the cause or is it just you know a, a plausible explanation that appeals to us because we all have a friend like this don't we all have a friend who's a little bit self-absorbed but they're quite good fun to be with quite engaging yeah so that's sort of I, I think we have to look a bit askance at these things uh and and does it tell us anything useful because mm. i have no idea how i'm supposed to be a little bit more narcissistic to be a better boss <laughs> i mean <laughs> it's not really actionable is it how is the good leadership even defined have we got have we got clarity yeah. on that not just yeah. for this study but i mean in, in general there's a dominance in in thinking about you know good leaders it's either about technical skills or it's about psychological traits mm. and this is obviously the psychological traits bit and you know that's a very well we've been looking at this stuff i mean how long has myers-briggs been around like you know donkey's years and all sorts of other studies and you know the big five and all sorts of things and we're still not picking better leaders um and you know what if you don't have those traits what do you do then what if you're not outgoing or whatever um how do you become a good leader then? Just to go have a personality transplant? I mean, it's just, it's all pretty silly, really. Um, and I particularly dislike this one because this is like this bit, this idea of you have to be a little bit more narcissistic to be a better leader is completely useless. Whereas um, I was I was listening to a podcast the other day, um, the Leading from the Heart podcast by Mark Crowley, which I recommend you listen to if, you, if you're not already listening to it. And he was interviewing Jim Hart from Gallup, and he said that the, the most actionable thing you can do is have a one-to-one -one meeting with your staff every week uh, and, and listen to what they've got to say. And then they will feel valued and they'll feel wanted and, you know, that will be good for their self-esteem mm. and it will make you look a better leader. And that's such a simple bit of advice. It's exactly the same advice as Marcus Buckingham gives um, yeah, about and again based based on you know very extensive studies, and yet we just get more and more of this tripe about mm. you know leadership traits. That's... But it, but even even that, if I if I can prop that a little bit further, then even that, uh, if if that makes you a better leader, or if you if your employees or your team members would say you're a better leader as a result of that sitting down with them one to one for, for a bit every week. Um, other than that subjective connotation of, well, he's a great leader, how else is that measured even by the Gallup people? Because what is good leadership? Is that is a good leader the one that gets the organisation to grow the fastest or, to, I don't know, to make the most money or to be the nicest person on the block because everybody says so? Or... Yeah, so I think there's, I mean, you're right, that that is, again, the subjective element because it's looking at employee engagement. Hmm. Um, but that's that's important, you know, of, of itself. I think that sitting down. I mean, I've always advocated this spending, you know, time every week to talk to people because that's the only way you can really know what's going on and where they are and where you can help them. Um, so I think as, as long as you know, as long as you're listening and make a note and, and action it, then then it will make you a better leader because it will make you more helpful to them and help them perform better. So even if narcissism was a good leadership trait, and of course we are challenging that anyway, but um, then but presumably that doesn't fit quite in that mould, though, does it? 
there's this that narcissist is less likely to sit down every week with you and listen <laughs> listen to you and support you and and unblock the situations that are preventing you from doing the best job you can no no they will sit down with you once a week but they'll make the conversation all about themselves exactly <laughs> <laughs> exactly so um yeah so so we're dabbling in quite a subjective world of you know Actually, why are we working in this field that we are trying to help people become? <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the mining my own business model here. Let's stop talking. Ben, Ben, you've been a bit quiet. I well, know I, look, I think I've, I've been a bit quiet because I've been enjoying the conversation. I, I, I do, I do love watching Colin trying to constrain, <laughs> constrain his, his, uh, his, his anger. Of, uh, I'm not sure anger is the right word, but it's frustration with these sort of, um, yeah, soundbitey sort of articles and 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 questionable, questionably valid research that sits behind them. I mean, something that uh, comes into my head out of this conversation is we're really, really good at making actually quite straightforward things ridiculously complex you know and if there's a if there's a measure of narcissism and we're measuring that down to two uh, decimal places is that really helpful to people my view on what good leadership is is a, a leader is able to um enable their people to be uh, their best and higher highest performing selves and in order to do that you've got to understand your people pretty well so if you're sitting down with them for a, for for an hour or so on a regular basis uh weekly or 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 more ad hoc but whatever and having those conversations would seem like not only a good thing to do but um something that's very kind of very very practical and then there's this whole idea of you know be 10 percent more narcissistic well i think what we would say is we work best or i certainly respond to leaders who i felt were showing up as themselves and not putting on an act not wearing a mask not trying to be different not trying to be the you know the the david brent kind of uh charismatic one being 10 percent more 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 narcissistic than your than your usual self doesn't seem to chime with that particularly well doesn't seem to doesn't seem to chime with um i mean one of my favorites there i have lots of favorite books on leadership but but edgar shine bless him is still churning out the books and his book humble leadership i think is a is, is a really really good one because it gives a very very simple and straightforward way of codifying the relationships that we have with people and that's really the headline of that book is you know leadership is not a job title it's not status it, it it's a descriptor of a relationship mm. uh and that relationship's very much two-way um didn't you have something to say on the sort of this uh, trait-based approach to leadership and oh yeah thank you yeah yeah so i i don't i don't know the history or the research terribly well but my understanding is is that um, there was um, a character-based uh, selection and deselection uh, methodology that was adopted by um, the British Army just after World War Two, and so they um, 
they made their selections on the basis of how or what traits they thought were going to be useful in that context um and and pretty soon realized that the cadre of leaderships was was pretty suboptimal actually and they they went away from it uh, i i'm i'm I can't put my finger on it, but my recollection is around about 1950s, certainly by the 1960s, uh, and they've never gone back to it, uh, which is interesting because, you know, what we see a lot in business is very much around personality profiling and, and character and traits and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, just interesting. Um, a lot of people look to... Uh, our armed forces for good examples of leadership and thinking about leadership. And it's interesting that they parted company with this sort of philosophy, you know, a good few decades ago. The thing that, that I think armed forces have got a lot better at is that context is all important. And mm. um, that understanding the wider context, the wider system, understanding in complex scenarios that actually you don't want to be a dictatorial leader you want to give away decision making power to the people that are perhaps in reality close to the action not in metaphoric terms um so that's the way that leadership doc doctrine and my understanding of it has has gone um uh, over you know the last i don't know 68 80 years I mean, they, they sort of have promoted the servant leadership model much more, haven't they? And they're very much looking for people who I think are adaptable and agile thinkers and can learn quickly and yeah. and have those sorts of more general attributes that, that it means they can actually learn and develop their leadership skills. They're not sort of like born with them, which was the idea that, you know, dominated um, yeah, the British Army at the beginning of the First World War, which is why only you know, only public school boys could become officers. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. And, and you also made me remember there's uh, Thomas Chamorro Pro Music talks about the deadly triad of um, confidence, charisma, and narcissism <laughs> as, as the, the why we continually keep promoting you know, uh, the wrong people. Definitely. It should be the first warning signs that perhaps uh, the, who you've got in front of you should be uh, subject to further scrutiny rather than uh, immediate promotion. There yeah. is some evidence that we are naturally, you know, we're sort of psychologically predisposed to these people. Mm. It's a sort of like a, and I don't know why, well, I don't know why that is, because uh, I'm not into the detail of that. Mm. Um but, but given that we know that we sort of have a soft spot, if you like, for these people, then we should design <laughs> recruitment and promotion systems that negate it rather than what we seem to do, which is have the, have you know recruitment and promotion systems absolutely suit this, these people, yeah, um, yeah. which is a bit daft. Yeah. But I think this yeah. stuff is also dangerous because, you know, we want people to step up into leadership positions, not, not just the people that are given the title of leaders, but, you know, you want everybody to step up when, when they can and yet this idea that you have to have a be a particular type or have particular traits um you know discourages people and it, and it makes the whole thing seem like really complicated maybe that's not for me and all this sort of stuff and yeah. i think that's that's deeply harmful two th two thoughts on that first and foremost also slightly coming back to the uh, the armed forces point about 
their emerging uh, and changing view of what good leadership is all about. Um, we did. I did some work with them uh, under the um, the Forward Institute. It's a quite an interesting organisation that brings together um, the armed forces, some big uh, multinational companies from the UK, as well as some not for profits, some NGOs of, of decent size, and they they sort of they um, they encourage or they they train up. I don't know whether that's the right word. They they facilitate the coming together of sort of the next generation of leaders from those various organizations to come together and redefine almost what good leadership looks like and also um, what contextual leadership is because obviously they come from very different angles and by mixing this and getting different insights from each other's worlds they begin to understand how leadership is is a much more fluid fluid thing and uh, and i think that that concept of servant leadership and and leadership as a as a role rather than as a title i think becomes much more visible in that context, so um, worth looking into if you're um, if you're an organisation that might fit that bill. I think in that sense, the leadership that that you refer to, um, Colin, as um, as almost a template, and as a, as soon as you don't fit that template, you 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 are at risk of excluding yourself, even mm -hmm. though perhaps some people around you might regard you as a good leader. I think that's. Uh, a really good point and um we try to break leadership down much more in roles than in functions so and there are many aspects to to leadership it's yeah some are, are about strategic you know developing great visions some are about really uh connecting with the individuals that make up the teams some are about uh, being very good at number crunching or deriving what's going on underneath the numbers. Some are about uh, all sorts of other things, uh, making things happen, really good at change, whatever their role is. And actually, um, why do all these roles have to be combined into one single person? It's why can't these roles be assumed by some of the team members um, and the team collectively taking them the leadership responsibility for the overall well-running of, of the team. And that gives many more people the chance to not only show what skills and talents they have, but also to develop those. Because mm -hmm. the fact that perhaps you feel that you're perhaps strategically not so strong and not wouldn't want to put yourself forward, actually maybe your, mm -hmm. your insight in the data is fabulous and your team can hugely benefit of that. And by doing that, you, you will gain confidence at some point to move into the more strategic part of that role as well. So it's... Um, um, I think encouraging your team members or or your your organization to reframe what leadership is all about, I think, in that sense, makes it a much more inclusive organization as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This idea that to 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 be a good leader you need to be able to cover all of those bases, I think is um yeah, it's a bit I I think it's something we're growing out of now. The expression that I hear more and more is uh, around about the places, you know, no one's as smart as everyone, mm -hmm. you know, whereas 20 years ago, you wouldn't have heard that. Oh, they're the leader. So we show up with a pair of hands and no brain and, and wait to get told what to do. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, thankfully, that 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 is changing and maybe part of what we like about the leaders 
um, that we enjoy working with is that they are exceptionally good at enabling those everybody in the team to come forward with their strengths and uh, and you know the 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 team as a whole to to flourish much more as a result. I guess there's another thought about so you all your there was a challenge that came in earlier I think from Paul which was sort of saying so yeah we 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 we've known this for a long time but we but we still keep um <laughs> we we keep elevating the wrong people to positions of leadership in 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 lots of organisations and I guess there there's a there's there's a question mark over who who makes those decisions and um i, I guess very, it's the narcissists <laughs> i guess i guess very 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 often it is a bit of a perfect self-perpetuating thing isn't it because those very very senior people have got there probably by putting themselves you know in the spotlight and doing that and 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 they from their view will look to um the next generation or the next layer down to to do something similar um and it's interesting uh to observe in organizations you know like wl gore where you know you're not a leader until you've until a team has said i want to be led by this guy um uh, and i think if that was a philosophy that was adopted across the board, we might see quite different people elevated into positions of leadership. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, that's a very interesting point. So, uh, how does it work? Do you know? Do they get? Do they have like an appraisal almost uh, on a regular basis by their team or something? Once every couple of years, I still want to be led by Ben, and otherwise. Uh, I, I, no, I don't wrong. know. It's not. It's it's not an organisation that I know. So I, I'm only. I'm only going. Uh, this is very much an outsider's view. But um, yeah, I I believe that 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 leaders at every at every level sort of are are bubbled up and and elevated to the top of the 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 throth by by people saying, oh yeah, Paul's such a good guy and da, 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 and he's really done and what whatever so it's just yeah it's just it's uh it really is um that the people that um have that role have only got that role because they've been given it by um the people that want to work with them and they have units i mean they they restrict the size of a unit to dumbbells number of 150 people they do so there really is no place to hide there in, in an organization that size because everybody will know you, yeah, um, and and a lot of people will know you quite, you know, see will see you very clearly for who you are, no matter who you're pretending to be. So, mm, yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's quite effective in cutting out some of the, you know, the, the what do you call it? I suppose leadership theatre that we see. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but no, yeah. I completely agree with you, you Paul, that uh, this idea that we that, you know, a leadership, a leader, or even that we have to define. You know, leadership as a single thing when it's many, many different things, and it will change. It will change depending on context and on situation. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, like they, there's um, the Kinefin framework of of organisations. Um, you know, the organisations have different stages, which go from uh, simple to complicated to complex to chaos or drop into chaos and at each of those stages you need different styles of leadership 
and if, if you're if you drop into chaos, no matter how you know participative and democratic you might be as a leader, right? You sometimes someone has to just say, "This is what we're doing," because it's more important to act than than to even, even to do the right thing, just to take action to sort of stop stop the you know, try and find a way out of the chaos. So. You know, I certainly used to switch styles a bit when I was, you know, leading people um, without really being totally aware of it. But, you know, sometimes when the shit hits the fan, you have to run around and make sure stuff happens. Yeah. Um, and that's not my natural style, but I could do that. Mm. Um, and I suppose that brings us back to, you know, he talks about what, what they're looking for in the army. I mean, could there be a more extreme example of, you know, having to be a leader in and out of combat I mean yeah. different completely different situations yeah totally. uh, requiring different responses uh, so yeah. looking looking for the ability to be able to flex in that way mm. is much more important than these you know ridiculous character traits yeah but there are also examples from uh, and of course uh, Stanley McChrystal's book uh, team of teams is is a great illustration of that and how especially in highly chaotic and highly complex situations, you actually need to devolve leadership to the front line because there's no way that any anywhere up the chain um, you can respond quickly enough with sufficient information to uh, to tell people on the front line what to do. You have to yeah. trust them to, to take the right leadership decisions there and then to, um, to operate effectively. The book that uh, I, I needed to have reread before this conversation uh, is called The Art of Action. It's Stephen Bungay, and he talks a lot about this and also echoes an awful lot of what you guys have been talking about, which is it's all about situational leadership and reading the context and being able to adapt and respond accordingly. So uh, it's, it is a very, very good book. Um both to, both to brush up on your military history and also for really usable, actionable um, ideas around leadership. So, mm. yeah, we can put that in the comments, I'm guessing. Yeah, I mean, I guess just, to, I mean, my definition of leadership has always been to create the environment for people to thrive in. And I think that's the role, not just the people who, the person who is the titular leader, but it's also a leadership role that everybody in the team can step into. So, and everybody does in a good team, you know, people yeah. will, will regulate the, 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 the environment that you're in and will make contributions. They might organize the social or they might say, hang on guys, you know, if I detect something's going off here. We need to talk about this. And I, I, I have never ever considered how narcissistic they were when they <laughs> did that. I suspect, I suspect the correlation is quite low. Yeah. <laughs> Right, and on Hi. that bombshell to speak with Jeremy Clarkson. <laughs> Thank you very much, gentlemen, for this uh, this episode. I hope that you viewer found this another interesting conversation to witness. Future topics, we are always open to suggestions, and uh, you can look forward to um, some guest appearances, I'm sure, on future WorkPunks episodes. So thanks for watching, and see you next time. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.